That's actually the first time I've watched that, and that was mean. I didn't like that very much. <laughs> hey, our servers are going to collect our offering. Thank you guys uh, for, for your generosity and, and, and your faithfulness in that. We're, uh, we're really excited about the Super Bowl of preaching, Super Sunday. If you've never been a part of it, it's a lot of fun. It really is a great time. And we're going to be, uh, as we mentioned, having three services that day just so you can be preparing uh, a 9, a 10, 15, and an 11, 30. And we're going to have tons of food in between the services so you can come and hang out and, and have a great time. There'll be a lot of great stuff going on, a lot of surprises. So we're really looking forward to that day. Hope that you'll be thinking about who you might want to invite because it's a great day, especially people who maybe have, if they say, you know, I've been to church or I used to go and it's really not my thing and I don't know. This is, this is totally different than anything they've ever experienced in church before. So it's a great day for them to come and, and uh, just to, to enjoy that, that day with us. We are uh, in, in the second week of this series that I started last Sunday. Called, we're calling it How to Take a Punch. And we're looking at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, not Joseph with Joseph and Mary and, and baby Jesus this is Joseph in the book of Genesis, and there's a lot of space that is uh, reserved for him in the book of Genesis. There's like 12 or 13 chapters, which is a lot. There's, there's typically not that much uh, that is devoted to just one person, and yet in Genesis 37 to 50 is where we find all of his story. Now, we're just kind of coasting along through it because we don't have time to hit every single thing in his story in four weeks. So what I would really love for you to do is at home uh, for you to read the story of Joseph on your own because there's a lot of things in there that are really great that I uh, would love for you, to, for you to dive into yourself But because uh, we won't be able to hit all those things. But what I really wanted us to remember from last week and, and really through the whole series is that life is going to throw punches at us. You can't avoid it. As much as you might try, it's just, it's just a reality of life that we're going to take some shots we're going to get knocked down, and I know some of you are kind of thinking like, man, I wish that life was just throwing me punches. I feel like I've been hit by a Mack truck and it just, you know, and then backed over me again. It just feels like that's my life lately. And, but I hope that you are at least beginning, you can get a little bit of hope and encouragement from Joseph. And, and the thing that we saw last week is that there is a tug of war inside all of us, this struggle between pride and humility. And we all struggle with pride, some of us a little more than others, but it's, it, it's real. And, and you might think that pride is strength and that that's what you need to be gritty, but the reality is the more humble you are, the more resilient you will be. The, the more humility you have, the, the better able you, you are to get back up after a punch and say, ouch, that hurt, didn't like that, but, but life's going to go on and I'm going to keep moving. And I, I want you to know from the outset today... And, and, and just want to keep this in front of us, too. That what I'm, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we need to be a bunch of martyrs and that we should just continue to just let life, you know, or people or, or whatever circumstances just keep beating us up. You know, that, that's not the point. That, that's not what, you know, what, what God calls you to is just to keep. And, and sometimes maybe there are, you know, situations that need to change or behavior that needs to change. You know, so that you don't, don't keep, you know, getting beat up a little bit. There's things that may be in our life or our minds that, that uh, we need to adjust. I love reading funny headlines. You, you guys remember, uh, if you ever watched uh, Jay Leno, he used to have this bit on his show where he's just 
headlines, and it was always like these goofy things. Does anybody remember that? I'm the only old, old person in here, yeah. Anyway, I used to love that. It was like my favorite thing, and it was just like these funny, some of them are typos, some of them are just, you know, true stories. I came across these headlines the other day. These are true, uh, and it's, they're all stuff that happened in Florida. I don't know what it is with Florida and people down there. I know we got some friends that are down there right now, and they're, you know, that's awesome, but it just messes with your brain, I guess. But uh, this one the other day says, after police chase, Florida woman crosses getting arrested off her bucket list, deputies say. Janiah Douglas was driving in Monroe County, Florida, when at 7.45 a.m., a police officer tried pulling her over, but she wouldn't stop. She eventually stopped and was taken into custody, telling authorities that getting arrested had been on her bucket list since high school. She was charged with fleeing and eluding. It might be a problem. That's the thing I'm talking about. Like, you know, that might be a hit, but there was something she could have done to, to, uh, to avoid that. I love this one. Florida man charged... For throwing hot dog at St. Pete police officer. It's like, what, what happened here? Newport Ritchie man was arrested on a felony charge after authorities say he threw a hot dog at an officer in July. Arrest documents say Jason Stoll, 47, was being warned of violating a city ordinance by an officer. They said he ignored the warning, continued to sell hot dogs in the road after a street closure. And he was asked to put them down. He continued his attempts before becoming so upset and intentionally throwing the hot dog at the officer. According to documents, he was charged with battery of a law enforcement officer and resisting an officer without violence. What did he think was going to happen there? You know, I just, that's, uh, this, is, this was my favorite one. <laughs> Florida man loses arm to alligator after using pond as bathroom. I don't know what the most disturbing word in that sentence was. <laughs> Justin Rivera was eating at a Bandito's bar outside of Port Charlotte when it happened. When asked how this happened, he explained the line for the restroom was extremely long, so he decided to walk behind the restaurant and relieve himself at the pond. At the time, he couldn't see just how big the body of water was, and he didn't really understand gators were there until this moment. He states that he's not sure what happened, but somehow he fell and landed into the water, and that was the last thing that he remembers. Maybe he probably needs to change his bathroom habits. You know, that probably just Florida and outside and dark, and that's just not, not, not a good idea. But, it, but my point is, sometimes there are behaviors in our life that need to change, and we don't need to keep putting ourselves in the situations where we would get punched. But part of our growth in Christ, and, and, and as we're following Jesus, is that we're, we're growing in endurance, and we're growing in, in perseverance, and when the hits come, we, we get back up. And when we do that, we, we're becoming kind of like this guy in the Old Testament, Joseph, and, and in the sense that our capacity for adversity increases. It just We don't crumple up. We don't fall to pieces. We can learn how to take and absorb a punch and not get knocked out by it. Well, in Joseph's story, he had a struggle with some pride, and that put him in a really messed up situation. Um, not, not his fault, but he didn't make things you know, that much easier for himself either. But his brothers end up selling him into slavery because he was his dad's favorite, and his dad showed him that he was everybody's favorite by giving him this really expensive 
robe or coat that was made with many different colors of fabric, which would have been a real luxury item, you know, to have different dyes and things like that. And, uh, and, and so he's got this extravagant gift. And then to top it off, Joseph also has this, this gift from God that he's able to have dreams and interpret dreams, and God is speaking to him through those dreams, and he's able to interpret and understand what God is saying. And so in one instance, he tells his brothers about some dreams that he had where they were bowing down to him, and he's like, hey, what do you think that means, guys? I'm the youngest, but you guys were were coming to me and bowing down, and they, they had enough of that, and they got rid of him, and that's where things pick up. In Genesis 39, starting in verse 1, it says that now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So things are looking pretty okay for him. I mean, it's not a great situation. Um, and certainly he's been ripped away from his family. But, uh, but he's, this is kind of like he's turning lemons into lemonade a little bit. Not a great situation, but, uh, but he, he's doing well. And there's another sucker punch that's on its way. He's been purchased by this official. So he's, he's living, he's doing such a great job. He gets promoted in verse 4. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So what's happening is he's, he's in charge of, of, of this high-ranking official stuff, and, and he's He's doing well. He's making money. The guy is continuing to, to make more than he had, and, and that's trickling down. It's blessing because of Joseph's faithfulness and his success. Uh, that's, his success is Potiphar's success and vice versa. And so he puts him in charge of everything. It's a big responsibility, big opportunity. And not only is he doing well, but again, the whole household is doing well. And there's going to be another challenge, and that comes in the form of Potiphar's wife. She's a good-looking woman, and she wants a piece of Joseph. This is what it says in verse 6. It says that Joseph was well-built and handsome. I think that's where he and I were a lot alike. (laughs) Just had to get that in there. But after after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now he's got a new problem on his hands. And, and here's the thing that, that is interesting, I think, for, for us, is to, to know and, and to embrace that success brings its own kind of challenges. It really does. When you're successful, when the Lord's blessing you and giving you new opportunities, there's going to be uh, adversity there. And for Joseph, he's doing great. God's blessing him. As a result of that, Satan is attacking him. You're going to experience that too. You know, when, when the Lord's leading you in the right way and, and, and you're getting one foot in front of the other and things are going well, that's, that's when the devil wants to get, find a crack, find a foothold in there where he can begin to chip away and, and destroy the work of God in your life. That's what he does. And one of the ways maybe that we can learn 
how to bounce back from a punch is to know that maybe the reason that I'm facing challenges is because I've been blessed. You understand that? Maybe perhaps the reason it's so hard isn't because, oh, everything's just so hard. Maybe the reason it's hard is because God is at work in your life. Because he's blessing you. And it feels hard because you've got an enemy that wants to see that stop. So be lifted up. Be encouraged to know that God, God has good plans for you. And, and he's, he's got a purpose. One of the things that, that we suffer from, all of us in this room right now, is this thing, you've maybe heard the term first world problems. <clears throat> we all suffer from that. It's like, uh, you know, like, oh man, life is so hard. I, I just went to the bathroom and I forgot my smartphone. So now what am I going to do while I'm in there? You know, I mean, that's, that's, a first world, that's a first world problem, you know. Everybody has been complaining, you know, and me too. I, I have been, I've been in the same boat to complain about, man, gas prices and you know, grocery store prices and everything's expensive, inflation, and, and it, it is a bummer. There's no doubt about that. That is, it is difficult. It's challenging. But there's not very many of us that would stop and take the time to let it occur to us that the fact that we live in a time and we are blessed to live in a country where we have the freedom and the ability to go to a grocery store and buy food that someone else prepared for us, and then bring it home and put it in a refrigerator and keep it for days or weeks at a time, that in all of human history, it's been a very short amount of time that we've been able to say that we could do that. I mean, very, very short amount of time. And there's a lot of people around the world that don't have, that would just, would love to have that kind of luxury. And so at the, at the same point that, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's not fun and things are expensive and, and that's a, a bummer. The, the fact is, we, we have these blessings. Adversity has come out of them. But, but can you believe how blessed we are to have the luxuries that we have? Even though it's, it's, not, it's not great. Even though it's not as ideal as it could be. But nobody thinks like that. We just want to complain about it. We just want to say, oh, you know, it's terrible, it's terrible. I, and, and, and again, I'm not saying that, that those things aren't real or difficult. I'm just saying we need to have a change in perspective sometimes. You know, those people that, that complain about their children and, oh, these kids, I wish somebody would take these kids. I, uh, I had a, it was a, a person that I knew years ago that just, just would get on social media and just, just sob and moan and complain and, and lament that they, they, weren't, they didn't have a baby and they wanted a baby and it just wasn't working out. It's not happening. And then one day, you know, miracle of all miracles, you know, she and her husband, they get pregnant and they have this child. And it's so wonderful. Everybody's celebrating. The, the kid wasn't six months old. She's on social media again complaining. I don't know why nobody ever comes and takes this kid. I need a break. I need some time to myself. And it's like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, just a year ago, you were, you were in it. But that's how we are. We we, we quickly forget how, how blessed we have been, and we just kind of get to complain. But through these successes, there's adver, uh, ad- adversity that comes from that. And Joseph, now he's got to deal with, he's doing great, but now he's got to deal with a beautiful woman who wants him, who shouldn't want him, but there he is. 
And now what do I do about this? Every day he's doing his duty, and, and he's got to think about how am I going to respond to her today. She's going to come on to me, and, and this is a tough situation to be in. What, what am I going to do? And verse 8, it says that he, he refused. She says, hey, I, I, want, you know, I want you. And he says, no, no, no. With me in charge, he said, my, my master, you know, her husband, has put me. He, he doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He's got to be thinking to himself, what am I going to do about this? I mean, just... Every day, come on, come on, come on. But there, there's one thing that he says that is so interesting there in, in verse 9 when he says, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? How, I, I think that's interesting. That, that's where his mind goes. What he has done there is he's, he's saying there is a way that I live that says something about what I believe. It says what I believe about God. How could I do this thing that's wrong and, and sin against the Lord? And that's what belief is. But belief is something you have pre-decided. I've already decided. When I bump up against this scenario or this situation, I already know how I'm going to respond. I don't have to wait until that temptation or that trial comes into my life. I already know that this is, this is the way I'm going to respond. I've made up my mind. And for Joseph, he has already pre-decided, I am not going to have sex with this woman I'm not going to, that, that I'm not married to because that's wrong in the eyes of God. That's not who I am. And that's not who God calls me to be. And that's not God's will for my life. That's not his best. That's not in any way, that's not what he wants. And so there's going to be some more challenges for him that come up. But I just wanted, to, just wanted us to think about this. For a moment. As, we're, as I was building the framework for this series, uh, I came across this website that, well, I, I've, I've read it every once in a while, I have for several years, but it's called theartofmanliness.com. And if you haven't checked it out, you ought to check it out. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. And it's, it's got, you know, all kinds of like advice for, for guys, like how to start a, you know, a campfire with you know, sticks or flint or what, you know, or how to, you know, how to wrestle a bear. I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And uh, one of the articles that I came across was how to, how to take a punch and to minimize its, its effect on you or minimize the, uh, the impact. And I was amazed as I read through it how it lined up with Joseph's story as you go through like all the things that he did. And uh, one, of the, one of the great pieces of advice that it gives if you're going to survive a punch, is you got to learn how to roll with the punches. And this is what the article says. It says, imagine a speeding car running into a rigid concrete wall. The result is total destruction as the energy from the speeding vehicle is suddenly arrested. Something similar happens when you stand stiffly and let an incoming punch hit you. Now imagine a speeding car running into an air mattress. The air mattress gives to the force of the vehicle, dissipating the energy from the collision. 
when you take a punch, you want to be like that imaginary air mattress. You want to give a bit to the punch so that you dissipate its energy. And, and here's what it says. It says uh, you can do this by rolling with a punch. Rolling with a punch simply means moving your head and body in the same direction as the punch's trajectory. If a punch lands as you're rolling with it, the impact won't be as jarring. Rolling with a punch takes some practice, but it's an effective tool in surviving a punch to the head. In other words, you move away from it. If it's coming towards you, you don't move into it. You, you don't stand still and just let it hit you as hard as it, they can. You are taking a defensive action to go in the, in the direction, you know, away from it. You just don't, you don't stand there. And when we talk about the issue of temptation, and this is real, the way that the devil wants to, he knows just how to bait a hook to make temptation, to make sin look so attractive that this is what you really want and this will be so satisfying for you. I mean, those are the things that he says to us. He, he, he knows what our, what our flesh wants and what our, our pride wants. And so whatever it is, you know, whatever your, you know, your particular vice happens to be, the devil knows exactly how to make that look as attractive as possible. And when those moments come, when we're tempted to sin against God, and, and for some of us it may be just exactly like this with Joseph. It might be that there is a man or there's a woman that, uh, that is throwing themselves at you and you don't know what to do about that. It's, you know it's wrong, but you, you go on that business trip and conversations start to feel like it's crossing a line. There's only one solution. You know that, right? There's only one. You don't get options there. The one solution is you move away from it and fast. You don't entertain it. You don't keep flirting with it because what's going to happen, you mess with fire, you're going to get burned. And, and so you run the other direction. But again, that's a pre-decision. That's something you've already made up your mind. If I ever find myself in this scenario, this is what I'm going to do. And when you begin dating, you find yourself in the backseat of a car. That is not the time to pre-decide. That's not the time to decide you know, what sexual purity looks like for you. You've got to pre-decide. And when you're at work and your manager asks you to, to fudge a few numbers, let's make last quarter look a little better than what it was, uh, that's not the time to decide what business ethics looks like. You've got to pre-decide. If I'm ever in that situation, this is how, you know, I'm going to be a person who is above reproach and honest. When somebody comes at you and they're saying something that's really negative, and maybe it's not fair, maybe, maybe uh, it's really critical, that's not the time to decide what your emotional response is going to be like. You've got to pre-decide. We're all going to find ourselves in those moments. When something happens that we, we didn't expect or, or maybe we'd hoped that we'd never find ourselves there. But, but here it is. And we have to know how we're going to respond. Because I know that I am not going to sin against my God. That's it. We've, we've already made a decision. You've got to roll away from the punch. You move away from it. That's what Joseph does. But it, it gets even worse for him in verse 11. So one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. Bad situation already. Well, she caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand 
and he ran out of the house. So he had, he'd pre-decided, right? He'd already made up his mind, I'm not doing this thing. I'm not going to, this is not going to happen. So now he's in a situation where he's running naked out of the house. There's no other way. The Bible doesn't uh, give us those, but you understand what's happened here. She's got his cloak. He's wearing nothing, and, and now he's outside so this is a pretty awkward situation, and I imagine there's people around that see this. He's just run out of the house with no clothes on. So uh, what is she going to do? She decides to protect herself. She runs outside and says, look, 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 I have his cloak. He was about ready to rape me. So now he's a sexual predator. Falsely accused. It's not true, but he has that on his record. And so his boss, when his boss gets home, obviously he throws him into jail uh, and, uh, and so momentarily, momentarily, his beliefs, his, what he was standing for, have caused him some negative consequences. But he, he would have had much bigger consequences had he gone through with the sin. Had he gone through with the sin, he would, have been, he would be dead right now. That, that's what would have happened. Uh, but but he's, he's been thrown into jail, and so I, I, I just have to think that he's got to be thinking to himself... Whatever happened to that dream that I had? Like, remember way back when, and me and my brothers, and like I had the dream, and I was just sure that God was speaking to me, and I'm, I was the stalk of wheat that was standing up tall, and my brothers were bowing down to me. What, what, it was like they were honoring me. Whatever happened to my life? And here's what I know. I, I know that some of us, feel that today that feeling of what happened where did where did it go wrong where did where did it end up you know do you ever wonder what's the what's the point of dreams and and goals like what's the point why why aren't we you know if we're if we're a creation of god why didn't he make us like like the animals you know you look at a a dog and you might love fluffy but man, that dog, he has no goals or dreams whatsoever. He is just happy and content to just lay there next to the fireplace. And if you're scratching behind the ear and giving him something to eat, he is just as thrilled and happy as can be. It's like, why can't we be like that? Why do we have to have this, this desire in us that just, I, I feel like there's something else. I, I'm just not content to stay right here. And why is it that God put that in us, this, this thing that strives for more? And why is it that oftentimes we, we sense God's purpose in that? And we, it's like we know that we were created to do better things than what we're doing right now. It just doesn't make sense. What, what's the point when we have challenges and discouragement? What do we do when it feels like the dream in our hearts has, has been snuffed out? Maybe life has thrown some stuff at you and, and you, you think you'll never recover from it. Well, here's what I know and one of the things we, we see in Joseph's story, you cannot forget this. When your life is aligned with God's spirit, you will rise above your challenges. When your life is in sync with where God wants you to be, when you say like he did, how could I do this thing against my God? I'm not going to sin against my Lord. I want to honor him with my life. I'm going to honor him with my choices. I know that God has said this. And even though everything in me wants to do the opposite, 
I'm going to choose to honor God first. When, you, when that's you, your life is aligned, you will rise above your challenges. It may not happen right away. It may not happen overnight. Sometimes it does. Sometimes there's like immediate, like, wow, I faced a challenge and I stuck to my, I stuck, stuck to my guns and I was faithful to the Lord and he blessed me right then and there. Sometimes it takes years, decades of faithfulness. But don't underestimate the power of that, of the faithful life. One day, God is going to use the trials in your life to bring victory. So, as long as our beliefs and our actions are aligned with the character and the purpose of God, the Bible promises that. It promises. If you would, would, would ask, like, what are the things that God tells me that I could just take to the bank? What is the check that God has written to me that I know I could take to the bank. Well, here's one of them, Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's a promise. So even when the, t- the going gets tough, you just keep going. And you just stay faithful because you know that God is who he says he is, and he will be faithful to his word. You think about Joseph now. We go back to his story. He could have been so angry because he is just being beat up. The kid, okay, yeah, so he bragged about his dreams a little bit. And okay, so he was his dad's favorite and he had the coat. But did he really deserve to be sold into slavery? Have his family ripped apart? I mean, think about the emotional damage of that as being a 17-year-old kid and, and your dad doesn't even know what happened to you. And you're gone. Now you're in another country you're not, you're, you know, for him, he's a, he's a, he's a Hebrew, it's in, down in Egypt, it's different nationalities, different language, different everything, and okay, he gets in a situation that's not half bad, and it is improving, and now he's falsely accused of this stuff, and he finds himself in a prison, and oh, by the way, this prison that he was in, this wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't like the little county jail where you get three square meals a day, and you know, you get to go out in the yard for an hour. This is more like a dungeon. I mean, it would have been dank and dark and miserable. And he's staying there for, for months, and then months turn into years. And I mean, just like, what happened? He could, he could have gotten so bitter about how his life is turning out. But instead, he keeps himself close to the Lord. Some of you, you really need to hear that right now. Because I know that in your life, things feel hard and difficult and traumatic and you, you could run a million different directions. You've got to stay close. Look, at, look again at verse 20. It says that while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph And gave him success in whatever he did. Every time he finds himself in a less than ideal situation, he just keeps rising to the top. He just keeps, he just keeps coming out better and better. And God is, you see how God is refining him. He is sanding off those rough edges. And we're gonna dive into into that more next week because he's gonna he's gonna continue to face problems. Uh, But we're gonna see how. How God continues to set him up for success as Joseph stays faithful. His job, his responsibility is to stay close to the Lord. Outcome is God's responsibility. Faithfulness is our responsibility. 
So that's my, my challenge to you today is, is not to give up on the dreams that God has laid on your life. The, the things that you know, man, I feel like I was made for more and I thought that God wanted to do something with me, but now I don't know and it feels like life has gotten sideways. Don't give up on those things and don't underestimate the power of steady faithfulness and how God will bless you through that and help you succeed in whatever you do as well. I, I love Psalm 37. It says, commit everything you do to the, to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. You trust him, and he will help you. We commit everything to him. You think about, okay, well, how could I do that? How could I commit everything that's in my life? So my relationships, my marriage, my dating, my singleness, my problems, my rockiness in relationships, my friendships, the, the tension that's there. Can I, how can I commit all of that? To God, how about my finances? How can I be faithful in what God calls me to, to, to do and be a good steward and to, to, to make wise decisions, not to, not to be impulsive and, and keep getting myself into these problems where I, then I am taking punches? What about my job? What about my, you know, my health? All these things across the, across the board that are, make up your life, committing all those things to him, our, our witness, our words, even our thoughts. We commit all those to God, and he will establish our plans. That's another one of those promises that we can just, we can just take that to the bank. Commit everything to him, and he will help you. When you're, and, and when you're faced with whatever scenario, and, and whatever it is that you might think, okay, I know, I know me, and I know how I'm wired, and I know where my weak spots are, but can you... Be a strong enough person to say, if I find myself in this scenario, if I find myself with this struggle, I'm going to pre-decide right now, this is how I'm going to respond. I'm not going to sin against my father. I'm going to be faithful to God. That's a life he's going to bless. And just trust results to him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for just the, uh, the ways that you encourage us as we're walking through all the things that we walk through and and the struggles and 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 the high moments the great moments of life that you're with us every every bit of the the journey and so lord i pray today that uh specifically for those of us that are are feeling a little banged up from this past week and we're we're kind of charging into a new week and we're a little timid that you would give us courage, help us to know that we can be faithful and you will take care of us. We just focus on faithfulness. And those of us, Lord, that are in here today, we're, we're riding high and life is good and everything feels, feels like it's going in the right direction. Help us to, to focus on, on staying close that we might not get too prideful, that we might not be so puffed up that we would find ourselves in a place where we might fall. Help us to keep our heads steady. Help us to roll away from the punches as they come so that we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus the whole time. And I just ask all this in his name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.